unfortunately, unfortunately, according to doctors at Primmore Hospital and Dr. Mark Allen, not only am I not going to get a shot at the World Heavyweight title tonight, but I may never, ever wrestle again. Yeah! I don't think the ECW extremely crappy rep has got anybody tough. I don't think anybody wants the war with me. Dreamer's sending a message to Raven. It's going to take more than Raven. It's going to take more than Spicoli to end Dreamer's dream. Tonight is Tommy Dreamer's night. Hello and welcome to Wrestling 20 Years Ago, June 1997, Volume 3, ECW. As you can tell, this isn't Bob doing the intro, so you've got me instead being the host, that's Chris, and I am joined by Eric Lindstrom. How are we, dude? Chris, doing well. Good to be with you today. Good, good. And by Peter Kimball. How the devil are we, sir? Oh, good thanks, Chris. All good. It's, it's Kimber, by the way. So Kimber. Sorry, this is why I'm not. You know, normally, this is why I just do the, the shouting and ranting. <laughs> so, <laughs> Matt, this is volume. Good. Yeah. Um, basically, this is volume three for this month. Uh, volume one is King of the Ring '97. Volume two, WCW Great American Bash, and volume four. For your boxing fans, is a little fight between Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. Nothing memorable came from that, I can't remember. Maybe a little bit of a hungry year. So, we are going to go with the usual way that we always do this, and we're going to start with the news. Eric, if you could be so kind as to give me some headlines. Yes. ECW suffered two major injuries to its roster. Yep, so this month we have lost two big names, Stevie Richards with a neck injury and Saturn with a major knee and lower leg injury over this past month. Richards has been advised by the doctors to keep a couple of months off, but was working shows, then suffered further damage to his neck. Uh he has pretty much been told that he could be out for a year due to the neck injuries. 
As for Saturn, Saturn did his whilst doing a kick on a Dudley. And in his landing, he basically tore his ACL, his meniscus, damaged his knee and broke half the cartilage on the knee. Saturn also has been told he will be out for as much as a year. This didn't stop him, as we will mention later on in the month. But just to sort of, when it rains, it pours with Saturn. His 12-year-old son has been killed by a drunk driver this month. Um, the worst thing about this is he'd only recently won the rights to have visitations with him again. So my thoughts obviously go out with Saturn and the family. New champs. So at Wrestlepalooza, we had a new TV champion when Taz beat Shane Douglas in an impromptu match. And the Dudleys regained the tag belts, obviously, due to sort of a forfeit by the Eliminators, obviously due to his injuries. ECW and USWA to co-promote? So, obviously, with the ECW being on WWF TV and it evolving around Jerry the King Lawler, that's meant that Jerry Lawler's USWA in Memphis has allowed them to do some work for him too. Um, there has been, on recent TV, Tommy Dreamer turning up on a USWA taping and challenging Jerry Lawler. Um, there was meant to be a match scheduled for the 14th of the month, but this then turned into Jerry Lawler turning up at the ECW arena at, at Wrestlepalooza. Um, whether we're going to see much more of this this month, we're not sure. We will have to wait and see in the coming months. Sabu and Van Dam quit All Japan. So, Sabu and RVD have given a notice to All Japan. Uh, so they have just finished the tour that ended on June the 6th. Sabu, unhappy with the way that All Japan had been using him, having a job to Kamala, for instance, and has wanted out. and. Basically, RVD has agreed to as well, with also having to do work with the WWF. All Japan put restrictions on what RVD and Sabu could do in their last match, and actually withheld their pay until after the match was finished. Uh, wrestler at ringside were instructed to physically stop RVD and Sabu from using chairs as props in the ring, which is pretty much their whole thing. Um, basically, ECW have said that they are now going to get a pay increase because they to cover for the loss of earnings. More TV clearances. So, with ECW in its usual way, it goes up and down with where it's being shown on domestic TV in the States. So, this month, it's been added to the WBIS station in New York. Uh, they have 12 million homes covering their network, uh, and that's 8 million that couldn't previously have watched ECW on their own cable channels. Although it's great for advertising for pay-per-views and house shows, uh, the instant rush of revenue will actually come from videotape sales, which is the most significant profit for ECW. Uh, on this, they have been put back on the Sunshine Network at 2am on a Friday evening, um, Perfect time, I suppose, for when you get home from the pub. 
Um, they'd been actually dropped by the Sunshine Network recent, uh, last September, but now will be coming back. Jim Cornette debuts? That's right. Corny has turned up in ECW. On June the 28th, Heyman hired Cornette to provide even bigger surprise when Lawler turned up for the last ECW arena event of the month. In order to get Cornette to agree to come in, it was on his off day from his WWE duties. He was provided limousine service, dinner, and a nice payday. He also had to call the truce with NWA New Jersey promoter Dennis Carluzzo, who rode in the arena with Cornette's limo. Cornette didn't appear in front of the ECW arena until a few minutes before the end of the show when he came out and smacked Tommy Dreamer with his loaded tennis racket. Issues backstage at Raw. So there has been some heat in the WWF with RBD and Sabu on how they handled themselves backstage, in particularly on the June 21st Raw. Mainly because they stood up for themselves against the change of plans when they were expected to arrive at the arena. Basically, in the Fed, you get told what to do and you accept it. They're not used to that sort of level. It's probably additional heat as over the misunderstanding that led to them having to rework Raw after Heyman didn't show up on the May June 23rd episode. And the proposed plans for SummerSlam, which was to feature RVD and Sabu going against Sandman and Dreamer, leading to Dreamer and Lawler for the ECW pay-per-view, looking like they will not be going ahead. So that is all the headlines of this month. And we will now get into the TV review. Um, The first week's TV... Uh, did a highlight on the injury of Stevie Richards and obviously explained everything that had been going on. Rude comes on, obviously, with Joey Styles and says that he's had a history with neck injuries and hopes for a speedy recovery for Richards. And they also announced that Candido will be his replacement for Funk at, Lollapal- at Wrestlepalooza. We get highlights from recent Funk and Stevie Richards matches. And then we get a Candido promo basically going, oh, poor Stevie, he's hurt, but no one cared when he was hurt at the pay-per-view. Taz promo where he uh, says that he was better than man and got beat at Barely Legal. He's going to choke him out, and he's going to choke out Fonzie too. Then we get a six-man tag between Taz and the Eliminators and the Dudleys and Sabu. A big dick gets involved at the beginning and gets a German Taz bikes. Saturn dove over to Devon and hit him with a clothesline and a forearm. Slammed from the second rope, a leg drop, gets a two count. Saturn hitting a springboard back kick and a roundhouse. And Sabu now gets involved with clotheslines and his usual flipping chair leg drops. Cronus hits knee guillotines and a knee leg drop RVD hits the underhook powerbomb onto a rolling thunder and then RVD hits the split leg sunset flip for a two count Taz German suplexes and everyone is outside brawling 
Saturn and Sabu in the ring and slammed by Saturn, which turns into an elbow drop. But then RVD kicks on his way in, hits a somersault plancher onto Cronus onto the outside. Sabu hits the triple jump moonsault, springboard somersault leg drop onto Cronus, and the Eliminators do the double kung fu kicks to Sabu and then to Devon. Big Dick comes back in and double choke slams both of the Eliminators. Candido crashes a crutch across his back, and then everyone brawls until it is just Sabu and Taz in the ring. Taz hits a T-bone Tazplex, and then Devon tries to jump Taz. He then gets put into the Taz mission and submits. Fairly decent TV match. Well worth a watch as it's about 15-20 minutes. And, you know, it's the main part of this show. We then get highlights of Tommy and Raven back from 1995 through till today. We then have a promo where Raven is in a classroom with which he has written I Hate Dreamer on the blackboard. Tommy says he's going to end it and he's going to run Raven out of ECW. We now go to Wrestlepalooza. Wrestlepalooza 97 was at the ECW Arena and in front of 1,200 fans for a sellout in the arena. Styles comes out to the ring with Rick Rude. They run down the matches for the night and all the changes and announce that the most important matches would be taped for TV. Douglas opens the show in a match against Chris Chris Chetty. The standard She's a Whore chants fill the arena as soon as Francine appears. The franchise pulled out the Philly Flyers shirt and basically got a broom out, swept it across the floor, predicting that the Detroit Red Wings would get a clean sweep in night four of the playoff finals, which was happening the very same night. Franchise says, does this look familiar, Philadelphia? We begin the match with Douglas pushing Chetty, but Chetty responds with a nice couple of leg drops, a drop kick, and goes for a tope. Back into the ring, Douglas teases a comeback with a backslide. Another classy chant of Francine Swallows begins. Chetty hits a super kick, but Franchise uh, puts Douglas's on the rope, foot on the rope. Chetty then goes after Francine. Douglas hits a side kick. Chetty gets crotched on the guardrail. He hits him with a chair, suplexes, and back into the ring. Douglas hits a weak chair shot, and the crowd boo. You can't do things like that around here. After this, he returned to a harder chair shot. Chetty threw Douglas face first into the chair and got a near fall. He then hit a top rope drop kick for a second near fall. Chetty then went to hit another, but got caught with a quick belly to belly and a pin out of nowhere. Your winner, Chris Candido. So what did you think of the opener, boys? I'll go first. Um, yeah, we actually really enjoyed it. Good opening to for the show. Uh, I think uh, Shane Douglas gave Chris Chetty enough in there to make him, obviously he's been, been billed as the rookie, so we all you know, feel well he's not going to win a title potentially on the night. They gave him enough offence to make it look like he was a, a credible challenger and gave him, gave him a great near fall as well. I like the fact that he went straight with a tope at the beginning and he was he was, he was was going pretty well with it with Shane Douglas. I think Douglas really just sat back and let this guy 
do what you have to do. And eventually, of course, the single belly to belly with the win, pretty standard. Shane Douglas bits out the ring, effing at the fans, classic Shane Douglas, but also retains. So no big surprise there, but a decent start. Eric? Yeah, fun match. Uh, continues uh, Chetty's build. He's still pretty green. Uh, you can tell Douglas was uh, was the lead horse in this match, no question there. And Shane wins, you know, clean enough by ECW standards, uh, considering he's the heel. Uh, you know, the belly to belly uh, that is protected about as much as the Tombstone pile driver, inexplicably. Uh, but it's fine. Uh, this was just a match to get out there and build Shane, probably for things to come later in the night, and keep Chetty relevant. Uh, so overall, uh, I think it accomplished what it set out to do. See, I, I do love the fact that if you put Douglas out early, it means that the crowd will be hot. Because I think their favourite thing to do is belittle Francine. And, you know, such loves as she's got, she's a whore and she swallows. Just keeping the class level up there. <laughs> One thing, one thing that I was uh, is irritating is you know ECW, they come out there and the first thing they do is talk about the, the local sports team and that's such a seventies and eighties thing to do and they're here it is nineteen ninety seven and they're coming out there and talking shit about the hockey team to to get cheap heat. I guess Shane, it works for Shane, but I I kind of hope ECW would be better than that just to to get to get heat different ways because they can with a guy like Shane. Yes, yeah, I suppose it is. Common lower, lowest denominator thing. Heel makes fun of local sports team <laughs> slash local celebrity to go. Oh, isn't this place a shithole? To be fair, I think Shane could have come out in Detroit Red Wings t-shirts. They didn't go the whole hog, did he? To be honest, oh, fair. That, 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 was, that was something I suppose he held back a little bit. See, that's been. I was thinking that's probably more of a Dudley's type thing to do with yeah. the way they get heat at the minute. They could have quite easily turned up in, in the opposing team's jersey. So, going into match number two, seeing the Pitbulls go against the FBI, consisting of Little Guido and Tracy Smothers, with the wonderful Tommy Rich outside. The Pitbulls batter Guido. They hit a nice pair of double clotheslines on Guido and then one to Rich. Later, Rich has crotched Pitbull 1 on the guardrail. Rich took off his jacket and the founds basically chanted, you fat fuck at him. They managed to get a little bit of heat on Pitbull 2, so he hot tagged Pitbull 1, who came in, cleaned house as you'd expect, hit Guido with some power bombs. Smothers managed to get in to break the count. Then Guido got hit by the super bomb and the win. This... Wasn't there wasn't really much to this match to be fair, as the notes sort of show it was your usual level of mauling by the Pitbulls. Um what did you think, Eric? There was an episode of The Simpsons a, a few years ago where uh there's a line that says uh dial nine one, uh just in case, and then when I say dial one again. Um and uh I kinda think that's what they did for Guido here. Man, Call an ambulance for this guy. He just took an absolute beating uh, from the pit bulls. They look like killers here. And uh, and then uh, Tommy Rich is just fantastic here. Coming out, I want to be called the Big Don. All right. Uh, and then takes off his shirt, and he's not wrestler fat. He's 
he's every day fat, and he's just the ultimate. He's just the ultimate, you know, cheap heat manager heel here to keep the FBI hot while they're getting their butts kicked. Fantastic. Can't say enough. And yourself, Pete? One day I hope I'm wrestling with that. That's what I'm going to say, but there we go. Um, <laughs> the, this for me was just a real showcase for the pitfalls because they've been sort of silly and focusing a little bit on the single stuff in previous kind of months. So I think this is just, as Eric said, they just dominated the FBI here and obviously Greedo took pretty much the majority of it but this is put them probably back into a spotlight a bit so maybe they're going to be moved into obviously with what's happening with uh, Perry Saturn maybe moved into a new tag team title action in the future so yeah pretty standard almost I won't say jobber but um, that's kind of how it looked at one point it, it's definitely sort of squash territory Um Obviously, as you're saying, both of you have sort of pointed the fact of it's nice to have them back in sort of tag team action and not and not have it be against franchise and the whole issues with the neck, which sort of dominated last year. Um, that that story had done its done it played its hand to the fullest. So I think you know putting them in tag matches killing people and building them back up could be the best way for them. So, match number three of the night sees the Dudleys with the entourage of Big Dick, Sign Guy and Joel Gertner going against Balls and the Sandman. Before the match, Gertner shits on the Flyers for how they're doing in the playoffs. Can't we tell what the easy heat for the evening is? Balls and Sandman come out, chugging beers and spitting it into the crowd. We then get all four in, and it goes at it straight away. Chance of balls and nuts for every time Balls gets in an offence or gets hit himself. And loud fuck-him-up Sandman chance as you get the usual level of punching and kicking from both Balls and Sandman to start the match. Balls hits the super high chair shot on Devon's head. Some brutal looking dives by Sandman. And why he thinks he can go over the top rope and plunges, I will never know. Um, mostly lots of brawling onto the outside, as you'd expect with these four. Bubba hits Balls with some stiff chair shots. Devon gets brawled into the crowd with Balls and goes all over to the back by the concession stand. Sandman hits Bubba with a chair shot. Balls was bleeding as they brawled back to ringside. Balls hits Steve on in the balls. And Bubba hits Sandman with what could have been sort of a DDT. It was a weird sort of face front, front drop. Balls breaks the count. Bubba then hits Balls with Bubba Car onto a chair for the win. This was your walking brawl of the evening. Um, as we always say with ECW, there's certain things that you come to expect on every ECW show, and a walking weapons brawl is one of them, and this time it doesn't involve the Eliminators. So, Pete, what are you feeling? Yeah, you pretty much covered what I was going to say. Obviously, if you put like a your standard ECW walk-around brawl, this would probably... Uh, uh, an example, I'm not going to say it was a, a good example, but an example of that. 
Um, you either like these or you don't, if that makes sense, because you're going to get with these four guys, particularly with Sandman and Balls Mahoney, because Balls is obviously um, to the arena, I believe. So it's also used to the Sandman's matches, not being obviously uh, classics by any means and the standard and quality that he normally has. I say his planches are more like sort of falls out of the ring, aren't they, really, over the, over the top rope. <laughs> um, but they're quite, quite quite funny to look at as well, bless him. Um, yeah, I actually quite like the, 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 the walking brawl. And I think when you first started watching ECW, when I did start watching it, this is kind of the thing that drew you into it, in that sense, because it was completely different to what you normally see. It's outside the ring immediately with blood. But I was really pleased that um, the W's got the win because I think that's really important moving forward for them. I don't think we need to see Sam and Bulls win this match. So pleased with the outcome, but and as you say, it was what was expected. Yeah, as you say, um, Sam and Bulls, I think, are the perfect pair that you can put together if you need a tag team to get to go against someone but you never want them as a full-time deal. Uh, how do you feel about it, Eric? You couldn't have said it better. Like, holy shit, when these guys came out, they looked like a tag team. Their entrance was cool. They had that pose on the on the apron where Sandman held up uh, the cane and Balls held up the chair, and then the match started. And, Pete, you, meant you, you hit the nail on the head yourself, too, when you say you either like these or you don't. And I don't... I mean to sound like Jim Cornette or uh, or Jerry Lawler, but man, this was not a wrestling match. The ring was uh, pretty much an obstacle that they had to avoid. Um, it was it's, these are they're fun, uh, but yeah, this was just organized chaos uh, designed to get the Dudleys over, uh, which is perfectly fine. Um, but uh, man, just a little more action in the ring, a little bit more uh, traditional stuff, I guess, to break up the. The walking bra would be preferred, but yeah, perfectly fine. Dudley's over. Cool visual. Can't complain. We do see more of the Dudleys in in-ring matches later. Well, obviously, they go against the Eliminators, and when they're against other people, I think when you're against Sandman and Bulls, you have to play to their strengths too. Oh, oh man. Sandman threw a dropkick in this match, and it looked like he was wearing an anvil on his back. <laughs> yeah, he, at least he didn't do his usual uh, leg-breaking leg drop. Because <laughs> one of these days he is going to basically land on that and the bone is going to come out of his leg. And then he'll wrestle on a tag match a week later. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, and win. Well, he has to go over. He's got to be kept strong. <laughs> so, next we have the ECW World Heavyweight title match with Funk going against Chris Candido. Obviously, to begin this match, Stevie actually comes out, says over the house mic that he's actually been told that he may never wrestle ever again. He and Funk hug as the crowd boo and then shout Stevie, Stevie, Stevie. Clearly, he'd done well recently to get himself over and in with the fans. As the match starts, we get a We Want Sunny charm. Wonder where she could be and why that's there. She is actually sitting upside the top of the building with Douglas and Francine. Candido starts nailing Funk with chops and then they brawl into the crowd. Candido hits a pile driver on Funk at ringside, hits him with a table, a chair hits him with a table and then puts him through the table. 
the fans chant you fucked up as the table sort of caved in before they managed to do the move. Back in the ring, he hits a pile driver and gets a near fall. Candido hits three neck breakers, gets another two count, hits a chair shot, and then sets up three chairs and then hits a neck breaker through the three chairs. Funk then hits a neck breaker of his own, tries a pile driver, which Candido turns into Hurricane Rana. He goes up top to hit the super bomb and a top rope Frankensteiner. Funk then hits eight headbutts and rolls up for the win. This annoyed the piss out of me. It pretty much, this is just buried Candido. Because he's put all that effort in, loads of neck breakers, pile drivers, even a pile driver, or the neck breaker through three chairs, and Candido gets rolled up with an inside cradle. Eric, can you see any logic to this, or am I just sort of just not seeing it? It was so weird, because I understand wanting to you know, have Funk go over, or at least have him retain the the belt. But you you make Candido basically drive him over with a truck. I mean, this was this was Hulk Hogan against the Dungeon Doom level odds that uh, Funk faced here with pile drivers through tables and chairs and neck breakers and four pile. And then then he just beats him with a stand, with a botched, by the way, uh, a botched uh, you know roll up. Um, yeah, this was just weird because there's so many other ways to do it uh, and have and have Funk win or retain the the title than make Candido look super weak against a 50 year old man. So yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with the with the outcome. I think they kind of booked themselves into a corner by even putting Candido against Funk uh, because you don't want Candido to lose um, right now, in my opinion. But you know, you do that, uh, you have to book it a little bit differently uh, to keep Candido from looking like a weakling against an old man. I agree with you. As you said, obviously, Funk had to keep the title. That makes sense. But make it more even. Nine nine headbutts and a a roll-up. I don't see it. Do you get any of this, Pete? Or... Yeah, it, may, it, it makes you think how they would have booked the Stevie match because Stevie had hit about ten or twelve super kicks to Funk's chin, and then you know <laughs> got the near fall three or four times, and then a roll up from Funk and Stevie loses. Would they have done the same thing? Probably not. But it just it was very Eric's right, very weird. But you know he took an absolute pounding, pretty much. You know, took these big moves. Okay, they are portraying that Funk is that you know he's the the old man is wherever he, uh, he keeps going and he fights back. And, but it just, it was too much. I think they did it, they played it all wrong. And, you know, Candida looked pretty good out there. I mean, I felt a bit sorry for him in the end, but he did all that. And then, as you say, he got head-butted and sort of rolled into whatever he got rolled into for the pin. And I think if you're going to book Funk to, to win, that's absolutely fine. I get that. But, as you say, they could have done this so many more, so much better. And maybe not had Candida as his opponent, have somebody else in there. Maybe, I don't know, but... I just think Stevie had been there. We would have seen a completely different match, or would we? This to me, I'm not sure. Would were they going to put the belt on Stevie? You know, or I think so. But I, then again, having Funk do that such a great story probably barely in terms of a story around him winning it to then lose it. But at the same point, Stevie. But at the same point, the titles in ECW don't 
haven't ever meant a lot. So, it to be dropped then to Stevie Hughes, one of their own, has built his way to the top and to be near that bell. Is it is it not right for him to be there? I think it would have been sorry. It would have been great if uh, if they had put it on Stevie, just as that's a, a classic ECW title change, isn't it? I suppose that they built this guy up from you know from a lackey, as it were, to to world champion all by themselves with with the booking of him. So that would have been a classic ECW move, but we'll never know at this point. Have you got anything else to pop in here, Eric? Yeah, that's an interesting point about whether they would have put the belt on Stevie. I don't know if they would have, just simply for the fact that this was already a card where you had the Raven Dreamer blow off. Um, then you had the big surprise with Taz uh, at the end, which we'll get to. Um, I think, you know, put my booking hat on here, which I don't like to do very often because I'm not nearly as smart as, as Paulie or Vince or any of those guys. But, you know, maybe you have Funk and... Uh, and Stevie have a competitive match here. Funk goes over kind of with a roll-up or a cheap way. Then they have a rematch at the next pay-per-view, and that's when you put Stevie over. You kind of make that the focus of the pay-per-view and make Stevie a made man there. We'll never know, but that's that's maybe what I would have done, everybody being healthy. Well, we can all but fantasy book it, as we will never know. So, going into match number five and the final chapter in a two-year-long story, Raven with Lufus and Chastity going against Tommy Dreamer with Beulah. Raven came out with some cheers and then got the obligatory you sold out chance, which, as you know, we always know, would any of those people in the arena turn down more money to change their job? I don't think they would. Lupus gets into the ring and tells him, boss, it's okay, you can leave. With this, Raven says fuck it and walks out, only to be chased down by Dreamer. They brawl into the crowd and by the exit, Raven is lobbed into the hard doors by the exit and through the merch table. Raven sets up another table, but Dreamer backdrops his way out of the pile driver attempt on it. Dreamer misses the splash and goes through a second table. Dreamer has is open at this point. He then gets crotched on the railings and Raven is also bleeding. They set up a chair in the ring and Dreamer then hits him with a chair head first. Raven t- tosses Tommy off the roof of the snack bar into the vending machines and then back into the ring he is tossed off the second rope into a chair that's in the middle of the ring. Coming off the ropes, Dreamer is surprised with Raven Raven hits a DDT. Dreamer goes to the outside and grabs a massive present sign from one of the fans. He cracks it across Raven's head and it's the obligatory do not enter stop sign. During this, he accidentally knocks into the ref. The ref couldn't make the count after the sign hit. Dreamer then hits a DDT, but then still the ref is out. Lupus runs into the ring to break up the count as the ref sort of starts to come in. Bueller gets in and gives Lupus the DDT for a massive pop. Chastity comes in and sprays Dreamer in the eyes with hairspray. We get the obligatory cat fight. Tommy hits a DDT onto the sign for a two count, then a second ref bump 
from another with another DDT. Spicoli comes in and breaks up the pin attempt and hits a DVD onto Dreamer. Dreamer then hits him with a DDT. Raven hits a crotch shot and Dreamer nearly gets a near fall. Tommy hits a DVD of his own and then the DDT onto the sign and finally gets the win. He has finally pinned Raven. The crowd go fucking ecstatic. So, we've we've seen this for the past two years. Tommy has finally beaten that bully that has been the bane of his existence. I really like this. I think it's was really well done. The fact of Louis coming in obviously furthers their beginning of a feud that we've had and that can, you know, be his new thing now that Raven's gone. So obviously I've been here and I've seen it all play out. Um I know Eric you've seen a bit of it. How do you think about this as the end chapter? Uh for this feud, uh it was it was exactly how it should have been. Everybody gets involved. Uh, it kind of had uh, elements of all their other matches. Lots of violence. Some surprisingly good in-ring work from Tommy and Raven. Um, uh, everybody in Raven's, uh, all of Raven's lackeys got involved. Beulah got involved. Uh, outside, random outside interference this time from from Louis Spicoli. And, and um, and then the end was pretty cool. That visual of Tommy finally getting the the, the uh, one, two, three inside the ring. Um, so yeah, I, I think that this this uh, match between them was a good way to end uh, their feud. Uh, although it would have been nice to see Tommy get uh, just a clean win in a competitive match with Raven, but that's not ECW style. I understand that. Pete, yeah, I think if you haven't followed ECW for what the last two years, as you said, you probably wouldn't appreciate the match for what it was, and also. The significance of the ending and the win for Tommy. I love the, you know, the EC fucking W and the DDT. That was a really, that was for the crowd. That was for Tommy. You can really see the emotion in that, which I think was great because whatever you say about this feud, there's been a lot gone on years and I think there wasn't probably enough involvement. I think there's been so many people involved in this feud. <laughs> there was probably, there could have been probably even more people could have run out and done something and then, you know, got DDT and got out of there again to really give it that. Kind of coup de gras, as it were, but. Oh, God, don't give him any more ideas. Um, <laughs> but I think in general, um, actually, I, 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 style of match, I like the fact that this has been a few thing going for so long. You see that, I suppose, that it's a continual theme where they've kind of been in and out with each other, but I think a fitting way to, to end it. We all knew the ending, obviously, with what's been going on with Raven, which is, of course, I guess, ruins it slightly but I think it was a a, a really good end and you know, great for Tommy he deserves that that pop and that crowd because he's had so many bad moments and Raven sneaks so many pins in the end isn't he off him so no all in all well done really good it's one of those of obviously we knew that he was going to be off but it I've seen pretty much everything. I think there's only a little bit I didn't see. And sort of going from the point where Tommy's had moments of redemption, the bit where he uh, 
had the cage match and obviously the iconic moment, an image of him cracking him with a chair while Raven is handcuffed to the cage. You know, there's been little moments of redemption and little victories all the way through. Obviously, it would have been nice in an ideal world if he still had Stevie because Stevie has been a massive part of this story all the way through. Um, you know, maybe the BWO, because obviously they were there and had been a part of it. It It's a fitting end, and it shows that even though it wasn't where they wanted to do it, because they wanted to do this on the pay-per-view, that they have managed to actually do the ending that they've wanted to do and not been forced to change it due to injuries or the fact of Raven just leaving. get the lights go out the lights come back on and RVD and Fonzie are in the ring RVD throws Dreamer a chair which he caught so Van Damme hits the spinning wheel kick into it smashing it into his face the lights go out again when they come back up Sabu's in the ring they both beat the hell out of Dreamer Lupus tries to go after Bueller in the corner the lights go out again. When they come back on, Jerry the King Lawler is in the middle of an ECW ring. 
the crowd at this point go fucking apeshit. At first, the mic doesn't work, and when it finally does, so this is the bingo hall, and this is the home of extremely crappy wrestling. A bunch of non-main eventers make their way into the ring to try and restore order. You've got Corporal Punishment, Donnie Allen, Axel Rotten, and RVD and Sabu basically kick the shit out of them. Balls comes in, but he gets hit with a stiff shot to the face with a chair. Lawler then asks, is that all you've got? The gangster's music comes out, and the crowd pop. RVD and Sabu basically fend their way through them. New Jack gets smacked and is pissing blood. Heyman even tries to come out and go after Lawler, but Lawler gets beating on Paul Lee, leaving him lying in the ring. Sabu and RVD continue to batter everyone. The Sandman now comes out swinging the cane. He gets a few hits on Sabu, but then RVD hits him with a chair and the spinning kick to the face. Everyone's left lying, and then out comes Taz. So, as an angle, and as a, as a moment, this makes up for, you know, the few things that we haven't been able to see because of injuries and people leaving. What are your thoughts, Eric? Jerry Lawler is so good here. I mean, what better way to get to get heat than to put a Southern Fried wrestler uh, who peaked in 1983 in front of this ECW crowd that probably hates Lawler and hates everything that Lawler stands for in this uh, in this business? Uh, and and Jerry Lawler with a microphone and no sensors? Are you kidding me? Him told to go out there and just get heat and get this thing over. Uh, for all the criticisms that we that we lob at Lawler's commentary at times, or or at his wrestling ability, there is no question that this guy is one of the best, if not the best, on the stick uh, when he's given free reign. And this is going to be great if they can develop it. Jerry Lawler just getting his comeuppance from Dreamer or whomever uh, in ECW if things uh, uh, hopefully follow through. This is really cool. You know, two worlds not uh, not meant to meet, just colliding. Um, really awesome way to segue Dreamer right out of his feud with Raven into something probably uh, even bigger than that for the for ECW. As you said, seeing or hearing more more of the the words say, hearing Lawler basically because all the innuendos and the things that he sort of says in Fed country and in his belittling of fans when he comes to the ring in the Fed. Being able to have no barrier and no limits on what he can say is is a massive thing, which could uh, be lots of fun. What is your thoughts on this, Pete? I thought this was brilliant. I thought I, I didn't expect it in that sense, and when it happened, uh, the lights out, lights on thing, I think it's been done done a few times before, and I think uh, Lawler's microphone didn't quite pick up at the very beginning, which is a real shame. That sort of 15, 20 seconds of real impact, but I mean, what better man to pick to have to do exactly this and be out there? And also, it really uplifted um, RVD as well as Mr. Monday Night. Obviously, that, that affiliation with being on the, on Raw on a weekly basis at the moment. But Lawler's just, you know, whether you, as Eric, whatever you say about the guy on commentary or even as a wrestler in the past, the guy just can 
can do it all. And I think this, is, this was the perfect way of poor, poor Tommy Dreamer. He gets his massive win, gets his pop. He's like, you know, finally beaten Raver, and then he gets a chair straight in his face. And it's from RBD. So uh, Tommy's back in the, uh, the doldrums again, but it just sets up so many other things again. A bit of a masterstroke from, from Paulie, I'd imagine, who's, who's obviously, you know, developed this, this storyline. And it can go so many ways. Now, let's hope it does. But I, I, it was brilliant. As a storyline and storytelling, it was great. So, after the joy that that segment was, Taz basically refused to leave the ring and challenges all three of those idiots. He calls out Lawler and calls him an old man, but finally Sabu answers the there's a thing, and the main event begins now. Sabu in with a nice wheel kick off the side ropes, and then he hits a reverse side kick, but Taz catches him and slams him. Hard way, Taz Plex. Then Taz nails Sabu with stiff, vicious cross faces. Taz pokes Sabu in the eye and gives him the finger. Sabu then manages to get the moonsault in off the second rope to Taz on the outside. Taz does a triple jump off the chair but gets caught on the ropes as the ropes move slightly underfoot. Taz then hits him with a stiff T-bone Taz plex. Taz hits a couple of nice northern Taz blitzes and gets a two count. Taz then does something that I've never seen him do. He goes up top to try and do a senton but misses. Sabu laid Taz on a table and does the leg splash through the table for a massive pop. Taz manages to lock on the Taz mission, but Sabu ends up getting to the ropes for the break a la Brett the Hitman Hart. He then rolls it through onto his shoulders and gets the inverted pin for the win. So, Eric, what's your thoughts? Uh... It's kind of weird because this was a really hot match and Taz looks great. Um, Sabu is doing Sabu stuff. Um, and then the match ended in like eight minutes. Um, and this was supposed to be the big blow-off to this feud that's been going not quite as long as Dreamer Raven, but it feels just about. Um, and then the match ends in eight minutes with a weird Roddy Piper, uh, Bret Hart, Stone Cold Bret Hart uh, corner roll-up of a submission hold. And then everybody's, and then everybody just kind of leaves. Um, Taz chokes out Fonzie, and then Shane Douglas appears, which you'll get to. And it was just kind of a weird, like, let's get let's get this Taz and Sabu thing over with as quickly as possible, and keep Sabu looking decently strong, so that we can get to this other thing that we want to do. It's pretty strange. Yeah, um, I think there may be a bigger angle that we are going to probably see later on because I think we're going to be looking at maybe a match number three at the pay-per-view and obviously you can't really have match number three if it's not 1-1 right um, what do you reckon Pete? yeah I'm, I'm in agreement I think I think Taz looks absolutely awesome it has done throughout this, this show so far and the guy that's like you know the real badass and the guy they're going to go to to you know take names and, and kick the shit out of people basically and Sabu isn't afraid though and he's quite happy to get in there and, and go toe to toe and this was a, a pretty good resume of their of their standard match with all the different suplexes and jumping moves from, from Sabu 
I think you could give him a little bit of credit for the ending and the fact that it was a little bit different. And of course, I didn't think Sabu was going to win because you think Taz is just that, you know, overwhelming character. Maybe it is moving into a, you know, it's one all, let's build up for a third and a decisive match. Um, so I was a bit shocked he, he did win, but of course, Taz does keep in the, the hole at the end as well. So clearly, you know, I think he, they could have gone probably should have gone a bit longer, which is not very rarely often here, as guys say that on these kind of shows, that sometimes matches do go a little bit too long and it carries on, but I think that Eric said about eight minutes for these two seems a little bit like they, they cut a few things short, but obviously there's the other things that are going, are going to go on after this match as well, which will come on to, which probably leads into what's happened here, but you know, I think these two chemistry's great, you know, the story's been great, the matches have been pretty much what we expected, um, uh, I guess we look forward to maybe uh, part three of this uh, of this story. As, as I said, I will quite happily watch these two go at it as often as they want. Um, so obviously, we've seen bits and pieces in the past couple of months. Obviously, since the initial match at Barely Legal, where they've been involved in tag matches and things like that, and every time these two get their hands on each other, it's always, always fun. Hey, brother, take it easy. You've already stretched everybody in the ring. Your job is done for the night. Take a walk and let the next fucking match get in there. Get the fuck out and let the next match. I'm sitting up here enjoying myself. I've seen enough of your ass. Get the fuck out. Well, 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 Shane. Obviously... For such an intelligent man with a little penis. You don't pay attention too well, brother. This is a very simple gimmick. If you would like me to leave my ring, why don't you come and make me leave? As much as I would like to come down there and teach you how to throw a suplex proper, what the fuck do I get out of it if I come down there and sweat? I've already shown all these assholes what a great athlete I am by taking a very competent rookie and stretching his ass. I get nothing by coming down there and showing you what wrestling is all about. So, you want to play... Let's make a deal. That sounds cool. I got a deal for you, Shane. If you come in this ring and face me face to face, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I can make you tap out within five minutes. Brother. brother, you've got a fucking confidence the size of this building because you ain't got it in you, brother. I tell you what, I'll be willing to put the belt on the line. But, but, we're going to sweeten the part a little bit further. Wait, 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 let's back up one little bit, brother. Did you say that belt that that little rat is holding, you're going to put on the line? That belt, you're going to put against me in this ring tonight. 16 pounds of gold, Taz, but I'm the deal maker here. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. If I last the five minutes with you, which is a fucking foregone conclusion. 
You take your fucking ass out of ECW for a 30-day vacation and let your family fucking starve, big man. Is that simple enough for an idiot like you to understand? 30 fucking days. Okay, all right, so let me get this straight. You come here, you face me for that belt. If I don't make you tap out, I leave for 30 days without pay. Well, I'll tell you what, brother. Let's make it 60 days. Brother, you're dumber than you fucking look. Yeah, I'm dumb. I'm dumb. 60 days, your family, no food on the table. Brother, you better have a savings account, because your family's going to fucking starve. Well, the only way to find out if my family's going to starve is for you to get your narrow ass in this ring. Let's just clarify. Five minutes, I don't tap out. You walk out the fucking door, and I don't go to look at your greasy ass for 60 days. Yes, that's right, 60 days. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. Being that I'm in a very angry mood today, and being that you're so fond of something, now listen up. I'll up the ante just a little bit more, brother. And then I'm done with this shit because I'm going to come up there and bust your ass, his ass, and her ass. Now here's the deal. 60 days, I'm gone without pay. And also, you come here now, put that fucking belt on the line. I won't make you tap in five minutes. Being that you're so fond of this number, I won't make you tap in three minutes, Shane. So, after the match, Taz refusing to release the Taz mission, some referees finally come in and get him to take it off. So, Taz does what any good, sane, rational person does. He suplexes the referees for taking the Taz, getting him to take the Taz mission off, and puts the Taz mission on one of them. Fonzie then comes to the ring. And he gets fucked up. He gets stretched out and Van Damme helps Sabu away from the ring. Douglas, who is watching the match from the gantry, tells Taz that he's had his time and to get the fuck out of my ring. Taz then tells Douglas to make him. And he challenges him, saying that he could make him tap out in five minutes. Douglas said that he would put the belt up under the conditions, but if Taz could make him tap out in five minutes, he Taz would have to leave ECW for 30 days. Taz says, make it 60 days. Douglas responds with, all right, I'll put the belt up then. Taz goes, let's up the ante. Instead of doing it in five minutes, because I'm pissed off, I'll take you out in three minutes. Both men then come to the ring, and the match begins. Douglas and Taz go at it, hammer and tongs straight away. Taz gets hit by the belt, and then a neck breaker and a DDT. Taz goes straight to the Taz mission, but Douglas manages to hit him in the groin. They keep announcing over the house mic every 30 seconds as, as it passes. Taz gets Douglas off into the turnbuckle, and then puts on the Taz mission with over a minute left. With 30 seconds left, 
Douglas tries to push off against the ropes to get out of it, but Taz ends up locking his legs around and going full stretch. With less than 10 seconds to go, Douglas taps out. What are your thoughts of this little impromptu match? I was quite surprised that when he was in the uh, submission move that Francine didn't get involved. She was on the ringside on the apron. And I thought she might just sort of dive in or just do something to stop it or to prolong it. Maybe that wouldn't be the three minutes. Um, I was quite surprised by that. It seemed like she sort of held back and then just tried to do the... who failed, locked it in, and then he had to tap. So I was surprised that happened. But I think it was a, a good moment. I think it kind of... Shane Douglas turns full circle on the night, being the you know the guy who's trying to get the heat from the crowd, pissing them off, and at the end of the day, he's walked out about his title in his hand. So, I guess a bit of sweet for him, but great for Taz. A, pretty, a very good night for Taz in general. Um, he's looked pretty much one of the, the, the main guys now throughout all of it. It would have been nice, I guess, watching at home to have a little three-minute thing on the screen, maybe just to give it a bit of extra drama. But I quite like the way they they were announcing the the time as it was going because obviously. Three minutes is not a long time to win a, a wrestling match, particularly when it's Shane Douglas and Taz. So uh, uh, I think it's a really good way of doing it and uh, a good outcome and great for Taz to have a belt around his waist. The waist just adds more credibility to him, I think. Yeah, it definitely sort of gives Taz more of the the killer. And now he has a belt, he's, he's a prize fighter. Eric, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it was a kind of a subtle uh, passing comment that Joey Styles made during Douglas's match with Chris Chetty. But he goes, you know, Douglas is television champ, something along the lines of, I wonder if he has uh, ambitions uh, for the heavyweight championship. And and then this happens, you know, two hours later, Douglas drops the belt to Taz. Uh, and now I'm thinking, yeah, this is a good way to get uh, Joey planted the seed, and this is a good way to get Douglas up against Terry Funk, because those two could probably have a pretty good... Uh, match from a psychology standpoint. Um, that'll be interesting to see if that happens. Uh, and, and getting Taz, uh, some gold around his waist really kind of legitimizes him and kind of makes him a made man. Um, he doesn't know how to negotiate. Uh, he could have had a world title shot, uh, at, uh, let's see, uh, five minutes for 30 days and he negotiated himself down to three minutes for 60 days. So that was unfortunate. Um, but, um, anyway. He looked more of a killer and a bit more. Violent by saying no, fuck it, I'll do it in less. Well, that's, yeah, 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 that's and, and that's I guess that makes Taz that you know he's still got a little bit of the Tasmanian in him. I uh, I take from that. Um, yeah, this was cool. Uh, this, this is a good way to kind of this whole show appears to be a way to reset the card. Raven's gone. Dreamers with Lawler and Dreamers got a little side deal with um, Luis Piccoli. Uh, the Eliminators are going to be gone, so you make. The Pitbulls look strong, uh, and this is another way to reset the reset the card. You've got Taz with the television title. Looks like Shane's going to be moving up to face Funk. Um, at least that's what they're, they're indicating. So, yeah, this is cool. This is another way to kind of press the reset button with another time to have a good card uh, for the pay-per-view. So, going into the last match of the evening sees the Dudleys going against the Eliminators. Gertner, again, is going with the cheap heat. Of, I've got good news for you. Red Wings 2, Flyer 0 in the third period. Basically pissing off anyone that may be videoing the game because they were at the rest like The Eliminators come out and Todd Gordon comes out and says that 
Perry Saturn will not be out of wrestling for a year and as such is having surgery on Tuesday and has asked the eliminators to hand over the belts. Cronus has basically said, fuck it, I'll take them both on. So they ring the bell and we have both Dudleys against Cronus. The Dudleys double tack him and then hit him with a pair of double clotheslines. Big Dick then gets involved and hits him with a choke slam. Saturn comes in and hits Big Dick with the crutch so hard that bits of it actually go into the crowd. Bubba then gets into the ring and stares down Saturn. Bubba threw a clothesline. Saturn ducked and hit his own Bubba Cutter type move on him, which is impressive seeing the fact of how his leg is. Bubba then hits elbows onto Cronus and Saturn then gets onto the apron again. Big Dick tries to go at him and he hits him with the other crutch. Then he climbs to the top rope and did a picture-perfect elbow drop with one leg. This guy is an absolute nutter. He gets the pin, and the Eliminators keep the belts. Saturn is then wheeled out of the ring on a stretcher. Well, we've said it before, that Saturn and Cronus together are a pair of madmen. Today, that has been definitely put into stone with someone whose leg is as messed up as Saturn's is. A, doing the bobber cutter, and then secondly, doing a top rope elbow drop. Pete, what's going through his mind? God, only knows, because this was, this was insane um, that he would do that. I mean, he, he looked like he could barely move, and all of a sudden he's, he's off the top rope. He's, you know, he's getting massively involved. He's, he's chucking crap shots at Big Dick Dudley, and Big Dick Dudley, sorry. I just think, I didn't see that coming. I thought we were going to see just Cronus, you know, maybe a little bit of interference and there'd be the title change here. But, you know, credit to Saturn, or maybe not. Maybe he's made his injuries even worse, you don't know. But the guy pulled out all the stops and made it, you know, I think he was doing it for, for, for Cronus and for, the, for their team because the United have been, been awesome. They've been, you know, the best tag team around, haven't they, these two? So to give it up just like that was never going to happen easily. Um, but I think uh, probably man of the night has got to be Perry Saturn for doing what he did and, and the bumps that he took with that injury being as nasty as it is. You know, hats off to him. But, you know, I guess in a sense the Dudley boys come out of it probably not looking as strong as they were coming into it. But I think actually this will obviously carry on, I think, anyway. And with Saturn's injury being as bad as it is, the inevitable is going to happen, but just not here tonight. See, I... As we know, Sat is having surgery the, the Tuesday after, had surgery the Tuesday after the show. So clearly he was under the mindset of, well, it's fucked anyway, it can't get any worse. So, <laughs> well played to him. Um, as you said, obviously with the Dudleys, do, does it affect them? I think, actually, it may, it doesn't really do anything for them, it just makes the Eliminators look better seeing the fact they're going to be out of sight for a while it gives you that lasting image uh what's your thoughts eric 
yeah, I don't think I don't think that this damages the the Dudleys really. I mean, heels can take heels can take losses like this. Um, this was more obviously to to give Saturn a a, a proper send off before he's you know on the on the shelf for a year. Um, but God, man, he looked like he was in so much pain. It was, I mean, it, distracting. I mean, uh, how much pain he was obviously in uh, trying to get around the ring, do those moves, even get into the ring. Um, and it was, you know, watching it from a wrestling fan perspective, really cool, really awesome. What a story. Great way to give the fans something to remember and something to play off when Saturn comes back in a year. But Jesus, from a, from a human perspective, just watching that guy, with that injury, jumping off the top rope and stuff, you know, Paulie better put a couple extra Franklins in his check tonight uh, to make it all worth it for him. Well, definitely sort of give him a little bit of a layaway money to cover whilst he is off. Right. So, Pete, give us a score out of 10 and your overall thoughts for the show in a whole. Yeah, I actually really, really enjoyed the show. I think um, for what it was, and I think Eric made a was saying earlier on, we kind of reset everything because there's been lots going on. Massive injury blows have hit the company, but really you wouldn't have known it as such because this, this show just kind of reset everything, set up so many new things. So much happened. I think when you're watching a, a show like this, you want things to happen and build and develop and end and begin and start. So I really enjoyed it. I think probably the, the Pitbulls match was, was that kind of just that squash feel to it. I think Chris Chetty did enough in the opener. Give Douglas a, a decent start to the night, um, but the, the mess of it, I think, you know, as we've gone through the matches, have been been no one's sort of said, you know, rubbish, move on. There's been lots of comment and lots of stuff going on. So um, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it an eight out of ten because I think it, it did so much tonight on that on that that night itself to set up so many things going forward. We had a few questions answered. There's loads more to to look into. So I'm going to go with an eight. Eric? Yeah, the only, I think the only uh, match on this, on this whole card that, you know, you could say is objectively poor or at least didn't live up to expectations was the Funk Candido match. And that's excusable because they built the Stevie Funk match for so long and it was a relatively quick turnaround to put Chris Candido in that, in that spot. Um, and yeah, and so I think overall every match on this card, other than that one, accomplished it's it's uh, what it should accomplish. The Jerry Lawler stuff was just, I mean, go back and watch that and watch it again just to learn how to how to get heat and how to work a crowd because Jerry Lawler worked that crowd um, and they didn't even know it. Uh, Tommy Dreamer and Raven, good, you know, solid uh, conclusion to that. Um, yeah, I, I don't quite go as high as Pete, uh, but I'll say I'll say seven out of ten for this one. Really, highly recommend it, and, and uh, you know, much better than barely legal. So, I'm I'm high on this. This was, I think, this has easily been the best ECW show this year so far. Um, as we've all said, obviously the the Funk Candido match has had. The ending sucked on it, and it has massive issues. Um, the way that they've dealt with the injury angles that have come up, which are beyond anyone's control, and decided that, A, they've given us this great bit with the Eliminators and the Dudleys, the, the fact that they quickly built to Chetty, or not Chetty, Candido being in the match against Funk, um all worked really well. 
you've, we've had the traditional walking brawl match, which we, you know, the obligatory one that we always have to have. Everything on it didn't sort of outset its welcome, which can sometimes be a problem. Um, and as as we've said pretty much for everyone through this, we've all gone, this is definitely a, a reset. So I, I can only see positive, so I am giving it a big nine. Hey, Paulie, let's talk a little bit, okay? Listen up. So I got something I need to say. Not something that I want to say, something I need to say. You want to shoot with me? Huh? That's what you said, you want to shoot with me? Well, let's shoot, okay? Let's, let's, let's tell it like it is. Let me tell you exactly what I see is happening here. I, wanna, I want everybody in your whole stinking organization and all of those sick, degenerate, so-called fans of yours to know what the score really is. Because you see, Paulie, when, when some of your wrestlers like Rob Van Dam come and wrestle in the World Wrestling Federation, some of those sick, perverted fans chant, you sold out. Well, let me tell you something. Let me smarten everybody up in the ECW. You, Paulie, you're the one that's trying to sell out. And you know what? I can help you do it. All I got to do is say the word to Vince McMahon, and I really think he'll give you a job. Because it's obvious to me, it may not be obvious to those pea-brain morons that work for you. And it may not be obvious to those brain-damaged imbeciles that come to your matches. But it's obvious to me that that's what you want to do. You see me, and you see all of the rest of the superstars in the World Wrestling Federation that are seen all over the world by billions, not millions, not thousands, but billions of people. And it eats at your guts, doesn't it? You can't stand it, can you, Paulie? You can't stand the fact that you are just a little nothing happening nobody. Your little organization, ECW, is not a pebble on the ass of the World Wrestling Federation. And you know that. And that eats at you, doesn't it, huh? You can't stand it, can you, Paulie? We're shooting now, aren't we, huh? You like this? Let me tell you something. I came to ECW. I saw what it was all about. I saw, what, a thousand, fifteen hundred degenerates, bags, homeless perverts that come crawling in off the street. I saw them there. You call those your fans? Oh, that's something to be proud of, Paulie. Yeah, that's really nice. You really got a great organization there, the ECW, and all your wrestlers. You're nothing happening either has-beens like Terry Funk, who has got to be so old that it was an embarrassment to watch him hobble out to the ring. There either has-beens or there never wases. Like your Tommy Dreamers. Tommy Dreamer? Huh? Come on, pal. Anytime, any place. And Sandman, you want to cane somebody? You ought to be caning somebody at the Betty Ford Clinic, you dope addict. You drunk, you degenerate. I'm telling you something, Paulie. You want to play with me? I'll play with you, pal. Get ready. I'll play with you. So, into the TV for the rest of the month. Week two is basically re-showing bits of Rusplosa with the Raven-Tommy match, Taz Sabu and Taz Shane. Week three shows uh, more matches from Wrestlepalooza. There's a promo from Tommy Dreamer thanking Sabu, RVD and Lawler for giving him a reason to live. We get a Lawler interview where he claims that Paulie is the one who's selling out. 
He could ask Vince for a job for a job for him right now. ECW is a pimple on the arse of the WWF. Fifteen hundred shit bags in your shows, and the roster is full of has-beens or never hases. We then get a promo from Taz, where he goes from saying that he took Shane's title and he wanted to beat him up. This company is about wrestling. Who gives a fuck if Lawler's kid is a wrestler or the RVD wants to jump ship? He doesn't care about the feud with the WWF. And he wants Paulie to let him be who he is and to take people out. So, week four's TV opens with Cronus going against the Dudleys. Saturn is there with this time in a full non-moving brace on his leg. Yeah, he still manages to smash the crutch on Big Dick. The Dudleys now have a restraining order on Saturn, so Saturn is forced to leave. The Dudleys double-team on Cronus, hit him with some interesting double-team moves, including a tilt-a-whirl splash, some chair shots. Cronus hits a double bubba cutter and a twisted moonsault on the 450, but the Dudleys manage to get the 3D for the win. We then get the triple threat of Shane Douglas, Bam Bam Bigelow and Chris Candido against the Pitbulls and Balls Mahoney. Candido and Pitbull 2 start. The Pitbulls with some punches and in comes one who gets eye-poked by Candido in a belly-to-belly for a one count. Balls comes in and kicks people in the balls. Bam Bam in with some forearms, DDTs and headbutts and an exchange of punches. Candido hits the top rope Hurricane Rana. Um, Balls manages to catch him in a power slam when he comes off the top rope for a second time. Uh, there's a turnbuckle forearm for a two count by Shane and a bear hug. Francine comes in and Rude manages to come across to her, give her a kiss which makes her fall down and pass out, and then is carried away. Shane hits a low drop kick, bam bam an assisted splash, and it gets a two count, all six in the ring brawling, Pitbull one hits a clothesline and a power slam, bam bam hits clubs and goes up top for the headbutt, gets a two count, and Shane uses the chain for the win. We get a talk that Jerry Lawler will not be at any upcoming shows. We get told that Louis and Tommy will have an I Quit match soon. And before we see this, RBD and Sabio attack Tommy. He uses a broken lay table leg and a chair, hits a spinebuster, and then Tommy uses pliers on Louis's balls and Louis quits. Week 5. Bam Bam versus Pitbull 2. Bam Bam hangs Pitbull 2 by his dog collar. Why has no one else thought of doing this before? I do not know. The brawls the outside and around the ring. Lots of punches, stomps and bear, hug, bear hugs and a drop kick. Long headbutt, clothesline and a shoulder block. Bam Bam hits a powerbomb. Pitbull goes up top, but Bam Bam gets tossed into the ring. Shane comes out, and out comes Gary Wolf, 
all four brawl. Two tries to hit a power slam, but Candido holds the foot and Bam Bam hits a bulldog for the win. We then get Dr. Tom Pritchard versus Chris Candido. In this, there's plenty of chain wrestling. Doc hits a powerbomb and Chris hits the superbomb for the win. Afterwards, they shake hands. Then we get a lovely little brawl between RVD and Sabu and Tommy Dreamer and Sandman. Sandman and Dreamer come down drinking beer, as you'd expect, and spit it in the face of RVD and Sabu. Beulah spits in Fonzie's face. Taz hits a springboard leg kick, and we get the irritating whistle. RVD with some spin kicks to Sandman, clothesline, and all four brawl. Sabu hits rolling thunder, some double drop kicks. Tommy and Sandman basically copy the moves of RVD and Sabu, which was terrible because Sandman really shouldn't try to do anything like that. RVD hits a flying kick to the balls and hits him with a steel chair. Slings up leg drop to the ref. Sabu hits the double jump Hurricane Rana. RVD nails the second ref coming in with a sidekick. Todd Gordon comes out, tries to make the count, but Fonzie stops him and hits him with chair. RVD cracks a chair and Sabu hits the flip leg drop through a table. Back in, double DDTs by the face team until the lights go out and there's Jerry Lawler. All the heels pile drive the faces. Lawler puts the boot in and hits chair shots. The faces manage to uh, get the heels in the tree of one, and out comes Jim Cornette, who cracks Trimer with the tennis racket. Lawler hits a DDT, and they beat on them until the show ends. So, Eric, any thoughts on the TV post-Wrestlepalooza? Uh, you know, uh, I I think the only way to the only where uh, only place to go is the the ongoing uh, Tommy Dreamer RVD Sabu uh, Lawler Cornette uh, angle. Uh, it's just it's a heat magnet, and uh, ECW is bringing in the guys in, in Cornette and Lawler that they, that crowd has no choice but to hate. Uh, if I could just find one flaw in it, I kind of wish there was an actual active. Uh, WWF performer uh, that was part of this uh, crew because at this point we have Jim Cornette, an announcer and never a wrestler, uh, and Jerry Lawler, uh, uh, basically a full-time announcer and very part-time uh, or part-time wrestler, full-time announcer at this point, uh, essentially costing Tommy Dreamer uh, and the Sandman a match. Uh, they'll they'll probably remedy that, uh, but. That's the only flaw I can see is maybe bringing somebody that's an actual active performer uh, to help uh, Lawler and Cornette. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, I think we're just kind of uh, idling until they start to build for the next uh, the next show. Uh, Taz looks like a killer, um, and uh, and things are things are looking really good for ECW right now uh, overall because they have a lot of options uh, that they can go in and Bam Bam being around uh, adds just a whole other uh, aspect that they can they can work with good star power there. Mm. Um, who would you 
sort of bring over then, if you could pick anyone, obviously you can't have a Brett or an Austin or a Taker. You know, because no. no, A, it wouldn't be believable that Lawler would have the, the pull. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, this is meant to be not the Fed. This is Lawler versus ECW. Well, you know, please say Savio Vega. Although the person, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that is for Bob and Bob alone. The the person that I that I would say, and and it's not feasible right now, but the way this guy goes back and forth, the the person that I would say would be the best if you want to continue the Lawler and Cornette would be you know if they can get Jeff Jarrett. And just get another Southern Fried Wrestler in there uh, to tell him how much ECW sucks, or somebody like that. Um, there's really what's that? I like that thought of that sort of old-fashioned wrestler that's like the complete antithesis of everything that isn't ECW. Well, exactly, and so that maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm coming up. I'm coming up blank here because I can't think of really anybody who would be. Uh, you know, currently, who's a, any of any name value in the Fed, uh, who's not involved in something else uh, that could that could come over? Pete, do you uh, maybe Pete's uh, Pete's got some ideas that I don't have. <laughs> I was thinking someone like I'm not sure what he's doing, like a Bradshaw. Yes, bit of a tough kind of take no prisoners. Just you know, I maybe that would help kind of develop him into something a bit more than he is. That kind of. Also, he's a big guy, so he could be like you know, almost like the uh, the, the Cornet and Lawler walking around like a bodyguard type who just wipes people out and doesn't give a shit. So here's one guy I was thinking. I'm honest, that just put some feet out of the blue. See that that could definitely work. I could see Bradshaw because he he's WWF enough because he's known there. But it wouldn't affect his character of the Fed. Um, if if they were still together, I'd say maybe the Smoking Guns, or uh, you could always send road, the Roadie or whatever he's calling himself now down, because um, he's pretty much you know WS version of Jeff Jarrett and Southern. For me though, isn't isn't Rob Van Dam that guy who's not in WWF? But obviously, he's got that Mr. Monday Night gimmick. Is he not affiliating himself with the WF enough that he's that that guy as well? I know it's not quite the same thing, but I guess I think, that's one thing we're doing now, aren't they, with him? Mm, um, I think that's one of the reasons why they're having RVD be on Raw is because then he's the the insider as such that's turned against ECW. Um, but as uh, Eric was saying, it would really help by having at least a mid-card guy or at least someone to be fully-blown fed and sort of being involved, not just, obviously, Lawler and Cornette. Um, Pete, anything else on the rest of the month as well? or Great to see Bam Bam. Love Bam Bam. He would have been somebody, if he hadn't have come back earlier, would have been a WF guy, wouldn't he? Affiliated that side before. Mm. But he's been been great in, in the comeback. Um, I like the fact that Tommy has now so many people up against him. He's got Luis Piccoli, he's got RVD, Sabu. 
obviously he's got the mouthpieces there with Cornet and Lawler are going to be giving him loads of, loads of crap in the next uh, month or so. I think it's just nicely boost for the next pay-per-view now. So they are, so this is like a little, a mini dip because it's just continuing on from Wrestlepalooza and just nicely ticking along. And I think uh, Eric's made a great point. This uh, ECW has probably never been as in a stronger position without some of the star names they've lost. But Shane Douglas is obviously forming quite a powerful uh, sort of group now. And he's obviously going to be itching to move forward into the heavyweight title down the line. Yeah, Taz is, you know, the guy, it, it just dominates everything. I think he's he's their, he's their go-to guy in this. I think that title's going to do him wonders. No, I think all of it's just working really well. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the, uh, the next month uh, involves. So, the last thing I did want to cover in a little bit more depth, obviously we did cover it a little bit at the time when the, we did the match review, is the end of the Raven and Dreamer saga. Um, obviously, as I said, I've I've been there since it began and I've seen it sort of develop from you know, Raven first turning up with Beulah at his side and Stevie and you know, it being this this build-up of the mean kid from camp against the jock from camp who were going to be forever mortal enemies. And then we've had this this ongoing story of how the loner and the, the picked-on kid at camp, Raven, had Tommy's number. And Tommy... However much he tried, he could never get that victory over him. And, you know, it has been the backbone for the ECW pretty much since, since it started in 95. Um, there, there's been times when obviously they've had separate issues and sort of gone off with different people, but there's always gone back to this few. And, you look at the Fed, you look at WCW, none of them are doing booking that lasts this long, that is this ingrained and interweaving with other things. Um, I know both of you probably haven't seen as much of it as I have and obviously gone through it all. Um, but with what you have seen, um, what are your feelings on how the whole story's been going and how everything's been so far? Pete, do you want to go first? Yeah, um, obviously they did that um, in a very sort of, sort of five-minute kind of segment. I can't wow, this, this this has been really going on for two years. It's based on a very simple storyline of boyhood friends who eventually ended up being sort of enemies that way. Then you've got the girl involved... I think it has been great the way it's been interwoven throughout these sort of couple of years because we've had like the Raven Sandman feud go on, which still involved Tommy to a certain extent. He went off with sort of Brian Lee and other people, and it, but it's always come back to that actually we just hate each other. I think that's storyline that you're right, no one else has does done, and no one else has had the, I guess the the patience to allow this just to keep going and. It's also involved sending look at Stevie Richards from being that that lackey that he was, you know, that a bit of an idiot and to actually being a potential, you know, heavyweight title contender rider that you've had the, the meanie involved. 
obviously uh, Cactus Jack was in there at one point. There's been loads. I've, I've watched bits of Bob's, not in your detail, Chris, probably, but to follow it the way it has been, there's not many other companies who've done it. I think, you know, I doubt many will do it moving forward because it's just that time that has allowed it to develop and move and, and bring in so many things. So it's been a violent feud. I mean, you had sort of breaking of fingers at those spots and blood and these two, but they just come back in. And every match almost seems, I think you probably had a few duds in there. That would that be fair to say, Chris, along the way? But yeah, in when you have something going on for this long, you can it can never be perfect every exactly. time. But I think you'd never say I'm actually bored of these two now. I don't think we've, has anybody ever said that. I don't think maybe at some point someone said that. But going into the final match, I don't think oh, here we go these two again. You know, but actually it, it was almost a, a great end. Almost like a, a really long film. That's like a three-hour film that's gone on, but the ending was brilliant at the end. So it was worth worth the ride and worth the journey. So. No, I was, you know, I was taken in by it, and uh, I enjoyed it. Eric? Christ, when this feud started, uh, Diesel was WWF champion. Uh, Jeff Jarrett and the roadie were wreaking havoc on, on Razor Ramon. Uh, WCW was uh, letting Ric Flair take the fall in a Vader versus Hulk Hogan strap match. This this feud is almost, this feud almost kind of signals uh, the end of the, of the, of the, of that era of uh, of wrestling, I mean, geez, I mean, this this thing's been going on forever. The NWO was just a glimmer in Scott Hall's Scott Hall's eye uh, when this when this thing started. And yeah, I think I think it's easy to sit back and criticize every step of the way if we want to. You know, maybe Dreamer should have looked stronger here, or maybe uh, Raven shouldn't have gone over so cleanly there, or maybe. Maybe their feud should have been condensed a little bit uh, to let them do something else because Raven's been around for a while now, and it seems like other than a little spat with Funk, he's pretty much been focused on Dreamer, even though he's beat him ten times or something. Um, but yeah, I think overall, if you look big picture at this feud uh, and you kind of chart the, the relevant plot points, I think it it worked out well. I mean, Raven looked looked strong uh, throughout. Dreamer, the babyface, finally works from underneath to get uh, to get a a win to pop the crowd and to uh, send Raven off uh, out of ECW. So you know, while uh, while you can criticize the the details, uh, rightly so. Um, no, this this has been an an interesting and a well uh, and, and a frankly a brave feud to to book um, uh, to let it go on for as long as it has, and for them to actually get the payoff that they uh, was. Uh, was satisfying to the crowd because so often you you book these you know relatively long feuds and then somebody gets hurt, somebody leaves, somebody jumps ship, and then there's no payoff. This was uh, they got lucky uh, in a sense, but on the other hand, it was um, well done by by Polly and crew overall. Um, but it is going to be nice to see Dreamer move on to other people and other things uh, full time. And I think Raven's going to do well in WCW. He's he's he's. Uh, 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 as far as ECW performers go, he's one of the more traditional uh, uh, quality performers I think they have. So I think he'll do well, and, and Dreamer will probably carry the torch for now. Yeah, as long as Raven doesn't have to, you know, be fodder for NWO, I think they could do really well with him. Just sort of taking the character that he has now and the fact that he has followers and things and doing that with him instead of trying to rebrand him or... Do, do something completely different with him. So, 
that will bring us to the end of June 1997. I would like to thank Eric for once again joining us for a lovely jaunt through ECW. Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Have you got anything you want to pimp? Uh, the only thing I will uh, I will pimp is uh, this time I'll get it right. Uh, Patreon.com slash Wrestling20YRS. That's $5 a month, uh, which translates into $0.17 cents a day. Um, but seriously, Patreon.com slash Wrestling20YRS. Uh, go there, check it out, and support the show. And Pete. Yeah, I do do a podcast outside of the 20 years uh, card, Subject to Change, uh, which is mainly modern-day WWE and lots of interviews, etc. we've done recently, mainly at the Download Festival with some some big talents there, including Pete Dunne, uh, Bobby Roode was a recent interview we had recently, and, uh, and Alistair Black. So we've done some really good stuff lately. Go and check it out at CSTC Podcast. Place because you find all your podcasts. So I will get my obligatory shouts in. Um, obviously, if you want to hear me talking about old school WCW, go and find Super Brawls on iTunes and on Twitter. Uh, we have just done, we're halfway through 1993 and about to do Beach Blast. And if you like music, come and listen to Show and Tell with Tunes. Uh, that's on all your usual podcast places. It's my music thing. I normally play 10 songs, whatever takes my fancy at the time of recording, have a little yak about them. You know, if you enjoy music, come and listen. So, as you know, this is volume three. Volume one for this month was King of the Ring 97. Volume two was WCW Great American Bash. And volume four is boxing, seeing Mike Tyson versus Amanda Holyfield. Um, the website is wrestling20yrs.com. Bob is pretty much putting up most of the uh, blogs and creative bits and writings of his his musings. Um, obviously, give the Patreon a shout and give Bob some money for all these outgoings and costs. And as always, rate and review on iTunes. It helps everyone. And share with friends. If you think someone that you know would like this then share it with them. Expand. Because it helps everyone. So, once again, I have been Chris Lacey. This has been Wrestling 20 Years Ago of June 1997 ECW. And until we are returning in July, we will see you again. <laughs>